So in the time we have, I would like to discuss the topic of uh, the meaning of matza between becoming and being. Uh, primarily, I would like to discuss one or two problems of what might be thought of as in the realm of machshevet ha-halakha, Jewish philosophy, or halakha thought, uh, and then uh, as we move on, come back and explain uh, what I mean by the rather obscure title. Let's begin with the Rav Sakin. I hope you will have a source sheet to take a look there. That discusses in the context of uh, the objects or the types of brain that can be utilized for creating matzah shem mitzvah. Bigmar says as follows: It's worth some more. I'll read very briefly. Hani in the chamesh binei tagan oras v'dochet lo. Translate that as rice and millet. For the moment, we not immediately. Bigmar says, "Rab Shem and Lakish, we can't tell the Rabbi Shmuel, we can't tell the Rabbi Yisroel, Amar Kra." The Pasuk in Dvarim Tet Zayin says, Lo tochal alav chametz, shiva kemet tochal alav matzot. The connection between the word chametz and matzot here in the Pasuk in Dvarim Tet Zayin. Dvarim rabayim l'dei chimutz. Something or a type of material that can eventually reach the state of chametz, of the Yitzleven, adam yotzei l'dei chavatot matzah. Yatzu elu shenibah l'dei chimutz el l'dei sirchon, to the exclusion of these that cannot become chametz, but rather only achieve a strange status known as sirchon. The Alakic principle that the Gemara establishes here is that only a type of brain that has the possibility of achieving the state of leaven, of uh, being chametz, can be utilized for chametz, but that which cannot become chametz cannot be utilized for matzah. And at first glance, it seems rather strange, and this is primarily what I'd like to discuss, or what I'd like to get back to eventually. Uh, after all, uh, chametz is prohibited uh, on Pesach, right? Uh, it's not just that there's an Israel prohibition of consuming comments, even there might be what be, might be thought of as a geter deraita, some sort of extreme din in the Torah, you cannot even have it in your house or in your possession, lest you might come to consume it. So it seemed that ideally, why not make our matzah from things that cannot become comments? And that would seem to be like a great chumrah. Uh, let's make our matzah from something that can't become comments, there's no possibility of comments. So it, at first glance, it seems offhand that the Gemara's claim or statement or teaching uh, that uh, one requires the possibility of a shiva chametz to be matzah seems counterintuitive uh, and even strange. And that's one problem. Uh, these kinds of problems are difficult to answer. Uh, it might just be some sort of a formal limit, but I certainly like to speculate about it. And that's one problem that we'll talk about. Sometimes uh, another problem can serve as uh, the answer or a hint how to solve uh, a prior problem. I'd like to share another problem uh, in Makshevet Halakha, or philosophy of Halakha. Not one uh, which is in the realm of Torah Shabbat per se, uh, but I think one which originates in Torah Shabbat which emerges uh, from this week's coming Parshah, from Parshat Yikra, a problem which is a little bit more famous. Uh, the beginning of Parshat Yikra, which is this week's Parshah, goes through the various Karbanot, and the second type of Korban listed uh, in the parasha is the uh, Korban Mincha, uh, effectively. And the, the Torah in Reikra Parat Bet uh, teaches us some quite interesting rules regarding uh, uh, the Korban Mincha. And strikingly, the topic of Matzah and Kamez comes up again in the context of the Korban Mincha. Take a look here at source number two for the moment in Reikra Parat Bet, Pasuk the Dalit, uh, we're told as follows. Uh, 
and then come back to uh, our two problems uh, towards the end of our uh, allotted time. So to do that, uh, of course, the first time that we're told uh, that Matzah is part of our lives is in Shemot Perekid Bet, uh, in Parshat Bo, in the story of Korban Pesach. And let's take a look. Uh, let's go back and take a look here at source number five, which is Shemot Perekid uh, uh, Bet, uh, and the Shmot Perek Yvet Pasavav, the Torah tells us that Am Yisrael is required to separate out the Karban Pesach a few days beforehand, and it's kept uh, for four days, and then we're told that the Karban Pesach is slaughtered on the 14th, and take a look in source number 5, in Perek Yvet Pasavchet, the Torah tells us, V'achlu et ha-basar umatzot amororim yochlu. The Korban Pesach is eaten with matzah and maror. Well, we know this, right? And this is the first time uh, that we're told of uh, matzah. And it's interesting to think about why is the Korban Pesach eaten with matzah and maror? Well, kind of the maror one is kind of easy because linguistically, maror harks back to Bayamaru et chayehem. The bitterness of the maror. Uh, uh, resembles the bitterness of the life of Am Yisrael in Mitzrayim. It's a symbol of abdut, of slavery, of oppression. And that's why it's the Maror, as you can because obviously redemption can only happen from within the context of slavery. And the Maror, even with the Karma Pesach, symbolizes the bitterness of, of the Egyptian bondage. I would argue that the Matzah symbolizes the exact same kind of thing, at least at this point. If we jump forward, Few Sfarim uh, in the Torah to say for Sfarim another mention uh, of Matzah. Take a look in source number six for the moment. In Torah Parakhet Zayin, we're told as follows: Shmor Tchodesh Aviv, Vasita Pesach Lashem Elokecha, Lo Tochal Lav Chametz in Pasukimo, Shivat Yamim Tochal Lav Matzot, Lechem Oni. Literally, we translate as the bread of affliction. Uh, right? On some level, we, this also marks back to the beginning of, of Shmot. Take a look at Shmot Perak Aleph, source number 7, Pasuk Yir Aleph, Ve'esimu Allah Sarem Yisim Laman Anokto Bisibotam, to afflict them with their labors, or in Pasuk Yibet, Kasher Yanu Oto Kenyir Bebechenyi Frotz. Matzah is the bread of affliction. It's pressed down, just like someone who's enslaved uh, is pressed down. Uh, it's stricken, it's lowly, uh, and of course this uh, even harks back to Brit Bain of Tarim, where uh, Abraham Avinu was promised that his descendants would be afflicted for a lengthy period of time. So the matzah we eat with Korban Pesach, or the matzah we ate with Korban Pesach, is just like the maror. It symbolizes the moment of avdut, uh, the oppression, uh, and physically even. The matzah has not risen, it is low, just like the slave uh, is low. What's striking, is that as we move forward in Parakid I would argue that uh, Matzah takes on a whole host of other meanings uh, and, and other uh, symbolic underpinnings, which enrich deeply our understanding of what Matzah uh, is all about. Now, let's go back, even just to the Pasuk uh, I read you uh, a moment ago. Uh, take a look in source number six again, Grand Parak Tetzayim, Pasuk uh, Gimel, uh, we're told there. We went up quickly from Egypt. Well, what's this a reference to? Go back to source number six, the Parak Tetzayim, Pasuk Gimel. 
לא תאכל עליו חמץ, שבעת ימים תאכל עליו מצות, לחם עוני, כי בכי פסוק, סליחה, רוב פסוק, סורס נאמר 5, פרק י"ב פסוק א', וככה תאכלו אותו, מתניכם חגורים, נעליכם ורגליכם, ומחלפם בידכם, you eat the program Pesach and the matzah, ready to go, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your sticks in your hands, you eat it quickly. Why? Because at any moment, the redemption can come. So that first eating of matzah not just symbolizes the slavery, it also symbolizes the quickening of the hastening of redemption, the notion that uh, God's redemption could come any moment, and it's also the preparation uh, for redemption. Moving on, level three. Throughout Shemot Parak Yibet, it's got an interesting, an interesting uh, guiding term which appears over and over, a root that we know about, Shimmer Reish Shamar, or Shmirah. For example, uh, take a look in source number 8, Shemot Parak Yibet, Pasuk Yitzayin, we're told as follows, Ushmartem HaTamatzot, you of course have to guard the matzah, Shmur Matzah, כי בעצם היום הזה הוצאתי את צבאותיכם מארץ מצרים ושמרתם את היום הזה לדורותיכם בבוקת עולם. So the matzah is guarded, the army soul has to keep this day or guard this day for the future. Or jump forward to source number nine, later on, Karek Bet, we're told there, ויהיה שלושים שנה וארבעה מאה שנה ויהיה בעצם היום הזה יצאו כל צבאות השם מארץ מצרים Leil Shimurim, Hul Hashem, was a guarded night. Lotziam Eretz Mitzrayim, Hu Alayla Azel Hashem, Shimurim Lachol B'nei Yisrael Adorotam. So God guarded this night, God watched this night, we have to watch the Matzah, we have to keep and guard the day. What's the idea or the symbol of the Shmirah here throughout Perak Yuvet? Ibn Ezra explains that the Shmirah of the day, the Shmirah of the time, the Shmirah of the Matzah, it's all connected to a very, very particular moment, the Leil Shimurim idea. Go back to the moment to Pasuk Yudgim on source number 8. God guarded our houses from the Negev, according to Ibn Ezra. God protected us. And our Shmirah of the Matzah, our Shmirah of this day, it's all about commemorating or symbolizing the very moment of redemption when God guarded our houses from the Mashkit. So as we move forward, we won't go from Avdut to preparation for redemption, to the actual moment of redemption, the moment of Shmirah. And finally, of course, the famous one that we all know about, the one that's actually found in the Haggadah. Jump to source number 11, Shemot Perak Yibet, Pasuk Kaftet, which says as follows in Vahiba Chatzia Laila, the middle of the night. Of course, God brings Makat Bukharot, Pasaklam and Gimel, but Tefizak Mutsar Malam Lamayla Shalkam, they forced them out, Pasaklam and Zayin, Regisubin and Yisom Ramsay, Sukota, they left, they traveled, they were chased out, they didn't have time to make their bread, so what did they do? You know the Pesukim, they swung their dough over their backs, and they headed out on their journey, and take a look in source number 11, Shemot Perak Yibet, Pasaklam and Tet, Ve'afut Abatzik, Asher Otsiu Bimutrayim, Ugot matzot, kilo chametz, kigashum mitzrayim, loyachul kamed, they could not wait, the kam tzidala osulahem. The fourth mention of matzah 
or the fourth level of symbolism of matzah is not just the avdut, the slavery. It's not just the preparation for redemption. It's not just the moment of redemption. It's also leaving Mitzrayim, the beginnings of the journey. Uh, the dough that they swung over their backs and set out towards Israel and had to bake into matzah because they had no time uh, for it to rise. And that's where matzah stops. It spans the entire gamut of the redemptive process, from slavery to preparation to the moment of God's appearance, the beginnings of the journey, and that's where it ends. It doesn't go any further. You might think of this in the language of Shemot Parikvav, which may be Motzeti, Vitalti, Vibalti, but no more. It ends there. That's what I have to say about Matzai and Parikvav. I ask ourselves, what about Chametz? Uh, what does Chametz represent? Of course, Halakhically, Chametz is the uh, opposite of Matzah. Uh, physically, it's the opposite of Matzah. Uh, it's prohibited. But what, is it, what does it symbolize? I'd like to argue, to understand what Chametz symbolizes in the context of the Chumash, we need to go back to the mysterious Korban Reshit uh, that I mentioned earlier, uh, which are the two times when you're allowed to bring Chametz or Sa'or on Rizbeach of Hashem. Uh, and Rashi points out that there are two places in the Chumash where Korban Rashid is mentioned. One is in the context of the Korban Omer in Meikra Perk of And the other is in the context of Bikurim in Torim Perk Kafav. Since time is short, we'll quickly trust Rashi on this one. And we're going to jump to Vayikra, which is a good idea. We're going to jump to Vayikra Perk uh, Kafav. And we do some sukim there, which I think are really insightful about the biblical symbolism of chametz. Take a look in Be'ekra Perak of Gimel, Pasuk Tedvah, which is verse number 13, which says as follows. Well, after Pesach comes, Usfartem l'chami macharat ha-shabbat, reading macharat ha-shabbat, is macharat ha-pesach, Mi'om ha-viachem et omrak tzmufa, Sheva shabbatot zmiot tiyena. Ad mi macharat ha-shabbat ha-shviet, seven weeks, disbrucha mishem yom, now you bring a korban, which is a mincha, it's a mincha. You bring two breads for waving. So which of course this is the chag of shuot, they must be chametz. Why? Well, apparently. Time has continued on. We've counted seven sevens from the time of Matzah, and we've arrived at the time of Lechem. We've counted seven sevens from the time of Pesach, the beginnings of redemption, and we've arrived at uh, Shavuot. We've counted seven sevens from the beginning of the harvest, uh, which is right after Pesach. We've arrived at the harvest festival of Shavuot. What does Shavuot symbolize on the agricultural level? It symbolizes the completeness the bounty, the fulfillment of the harvest, the rising of the bread, the fullness of the bread symbolizes the bounty of the harvest, and it's a chag hoda'ah lashem. And in truth, in Parshat Bikurim, we don't have time for it, so too the Dvash, uh, the Eretz Zavat the Dvash that's celebrated in Parshat Bikurim, which is the time when uh, Dvash is born on the Mizbeah, is also about recognizing the bounty uh, of Eretz Israel. Fundamentally, I would argue that if we put all these parashiyot together, there are kinds of two breads in the Chumash, uh, and maybe there are uh, uh, two holidays, two places, and even two sets of symbolism. Let me explain what I mean. 
On the one hand, there's matzah, which is the bread of beginnings. I would call it the bread of not yet. It's the bread of koach, of potential. It's the bread of starting out. It's the bread of leaving the Mitzrayim. It's the bread of heading in the direction of Eretz Israel, uh, And it's the bread of, of not yet and potential. On the other hand, there's lachem, which as opposed to being flat like matzah, it's fully risen. It's realized. It's actualized. Uh, it's reached its end. It's not the not yet, uh, but it's the full-fledged being. Where matzah is, and hence my title, the bread of becoming, uh, chametz is the, is the bread of being. And Pesach, which is connected to Mitzrayim, or leaving Mitzrayim, is about potential and beginnings and starting out uh, and processes and not yet. And Shruot, which is connected to Eretz Yisrael, is of course the kind of full-fledged realization uh, of completion uh, and reaching end goals to the different kinds of symbolisms uh, and different meanings. It's not so much the bread of becoming, but the bread of full-fledged being itself on some level. That's what I'd argue for in terms of the symbolism of the Pesukim uh, that I looked at here. How does this, or may this in fact, help us with the two Palacio Palacha, Rakshav Palacha problems that I raised at the beginning of this year? I think maybe it does, if we kind of work backwards. We all know uh, that the Jewish idea of Korban is different than the pagan idea uh, of Korban. Uh, as opposed to, so to speak, feeding or giving a gift, uh, a own or the like, uh, to the deity. That's not the Jewish idea of Korban. It's already found in Ramban. It's elaborated upon extensively uh, by Hirsch. The idea of Korban in the Torah is Adam Mikan Kiyakriv Korban. It's about the individual who wants to come close to God. Uh, and it's about the approach of the individual. And the question becomes, when the individual approaches God and brings his Korban, what set of symbolism should he bring with him? What should, set of symbolism should he motivate should he bring the symbolism of completion, fulfillment, of having risen, a full-fledged being? Should he bring chametz? Or alternatively, perhaps he should bring the humble symbol of not yet, of process, of just starting out. And it's clear to us that theologically the approach to HaKadosh Baruch always has to involve the symbolism of not yet, of beginnings, of journey, as opposed to realization and arrival. And hence, normally, except in the context of Korban Todah, uh, when one brings lachan, normally the mizbeach always requires uh, matzah, and that's the second problem I raised. And now, going back to the first problem, I would suggest something like the following. Uh, that it's very important to talk about processes, and it's very, very important to talk about not yet, and it's very important to talk about journeys, and it's very important to talk about renewal. And every year when we come back to Pesach, we, so to speak, theologically and existentially revisit those moments in our individual and national histories of just starting out, or not yet, of being Badera. That's very, very important. But at the same time, we have to understand that a process requires a horizon. And only when the horizon of Hamech exists can commemorating the process of Gula uh, have any meaning. To put it a different way, that only if there's a Hebeti at the end of the process of Boteki, Nitzalti, Begalti, Lakafti, can the commemoration of the process and the direction and the not yet find its full meaning. And therefore, I think the Gemara from Sabbath Lamedei teaches us that only brain that has the possibility of coming to Chametz, that can reach full realization in some essential sense, uh, that, can become, that can commemorate uh, or embody uh, the idea of realization, only that uh, is suited for us to remember our ongoing journey on both the individual and national level towards full-fledged Google
Thank you very much.